This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Tom Kugler graduated from college with a degree in marketing, over $80,000 in school debt. That's U.S. dollars, by the way. And he couldn't find a job in marketing. He realized he was good at writing and started taking whatever writing jobs he could. At one point, Tom could write two to 3,000 words a day at his online writing job, and he was only making $15 for every 600-word post. Have you ever tried consistently writing 2,000 words every day? It's hard. And even harder when it's about things you aren't even interested in. Today, Tom has 23,000 followers on the popular blogging platform Medium.com, and that number grows every day. Tom has been so successful on Medium that he launched an online course called the Medium Mastery Academy, where he shows you how to get followers on Medium and how to monetize your writing skills as he did. But Tom only got to where he is today because he never gave up on himself. I think it's sometimes too easy to keep a job we don't like because it pays well enough and there's $80,000 of debt staring us in the face. Tom joined me from the other side of the world in Indonesia to tell his personal finance story. Probably like my earliest money experience that was somewhat notable that sort of just popped up in my mind. I have no idea why, but... Remember when I was a kid, maybe like six, seven, we drive home from church on Sunday with my parents. And I remember, you know, like church was probably 25, 30 minutes away from our house. And it was always like right around lunchtime that, you know, we'd get out of church and we drive home. And I remember we'd always pass by this McDonald's on the right hand side of the road, about halfway between church and our house. Sounds like the perfect thing for uh, after church. Yeah, yeah. And like, we, we always drove past it. And I remember like, you know, obviously, I must have known what McDonald's tasted like, you know, I, I <laughs> must have had it a couple times before. I think it's in our genes. I think and somehow yeah, they yeah. implanted in our DNA to want McDonald's. I don't understand <laughs> it. But yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just born with the taste, you know, us, us Americans. We yeah, know exactly. Yeah, exactly. What it yeah e- even out here, I'm craving McDonald's all the time. But um. <laughs> It's funny. So like, you know, we'd always drive past McDonald's and and I'd always ask my parents if we could stop. I would say probably about 60% of the time we did not stop, but 40% of the time we did stop. And like when we did stop, I would say a good portion of that time, we would just get some fries and keep going. And then if it was a really great day, we'd probably get like a happy meal or something and get like a whole meal. Now, it's, it's, not, like my, it's not like my parents were just like bootstrapping and we were like poor or something. It was just more so like, I think it was a money decision. And I think it was just them saying, look, like, you know, we don't have to, like, we shouldn't pay for this. Like we have to, you know, make food at home. That's the better way. And I think that like, I, that was like my first lesson where I got sort of introduced to, you know, the fact like the, the lesson that, you know, you don't always have to buy things like you sort of have to save and you shouldn't 
always just act on impulses and buy whatever you want to buy. Like you have to have some discipline. And I think that that's probably like my first lesson. Yeah, that's a good early one because you're, you learn about, you know, making things and how we used to have to make the things you and, and I growing up in this economy where you can buy everything and you don't have to yeah. know how to do anything except for whatever the skill is, it is that you do to make money. All you got to do is be able to make money. Yeah. So you can like, you know, I really like, I like this example because it, it kind of teaches you early about that you could do this, but maybe it's not the best thing for you. Exactly. I fully believe that we could have stopped and we could have gotten fries probably like every, every Sunday, like yeah. come on, fries are like it's a not, Yeah, exactly. And McDonald's is not expensive in the States. For sure. And like, but I, I think that my parents, you know, very knowledgeably were trying to save up some money to take us to Germany when we were older. I, we went to Germany when I was 11 and I think they were just trying to save up for a lot of different things. Maybe that maybe to, um, to move out of the place that we were at when we were young, go to Germany, things of that nature. And, and, and I think that it was just a good decision on their part. And, and I just, I noticed that. I remember, I remember noticing that. And after a while, I wouldn't even ask anymore. I'd be like, all right, well, we're probably not going to get McDonald's. So yeah. I'd just save, I'd save my ask for every, like every three, four weeks instead of every week, you know, just to sure, see yeah, if just... I could, if I could hit the jackpot. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to ration it too. Yeah. Then you like, you learn if you just ask every so often, you're more likely to to get it. But if you ask for something all the time, you're going to be disappointed half of the time or more than half. What part of Germany is your family from? Or where did you go when you were 11? I, I remember we flew into Frankfurt. Uh, we stayed there for three weeks. We stayed there in Germany okay, for three yeah. weeks. And, and we flew into Frankfurt, obviously, because that's, that's where the airport is. And um, I remember we went to, I forget all of the cities we went to, but I remember we, we, st we stayed in uh, Weisenfels. I think that's kind of in the southern part of Germany. Do you have family still there? Or do you like get like grandparents or something or yeah yeah we have relatives there my grandparents don't live there but it they're kind of like you know relatives that that you sort of have to like look at the family tree and be like oh okay that's who they yeah, are okay. you know what i mean it's yeah. not like <laughs> they're connected in some way yeah yeah it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint i know that i think my grandfather's cousin is was over there and we saw we met him and he was like the nicest guy ever and and he lived up in like this, this mountain somewhere and like in the forest and it was a beautiful home. And like, he had this like old Mercedes that he, that he, that he took out of the, of the garage and he like took my dad on a, on a ride. And my dad was like, in, like in heaven, yeah. you know, he was like, this is so German. Yeah. You know, he's like, I feel so German right now. That was a really, really cool experience. And my parents were just like, so ecstatic. And like, I, my, I think my love of, and just to tie this into everything too, is like my love of traveling, I think started. Um, with that trip. Yeah. And I remember loving every second of it. And, and, and that was really my first major trip. And I remember my sister didn't really like it too much. And like my brother was too young to really understand what was happening. But like me, I remember just loving, loving it and yeah. like filming everything. Oh, my dad's cool. camera. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. And, and, but my, my parents were just, were just on cloud nine and, and everything during that whole entire trip. So I'm happy that, th that we, you know, in hindsight, I'm happy we skipped McDonald's to go to, you know, to be able to go to Germany. That's it. And we'll, and we'll talk about travel later and the, the benefits of saving for travel and, and the benefit sure. to your life just to get out of where you are. But let's sure, get, sure. let's get back to young, uh, young Tom, uh, who's, uh, who's learned, learned about, uh, the value of not going to McDonald's every day. So sure. do you remember did, uh, like the first time you actually earned any money? Like, did you have a job when you were a teenager or 
or younger? Sure. Yeah. I, this is this is a funny one. I actually my first job was as a baseball umpire for oh. seven eight and nine ten and maybe a couple eleven twelve games thrown in there. But yeah, I remember like learning how to be an umpire, going to the trainings and stuff, and then they'd pay us like fifteen bucks a game to be like a base umpire, like on first or third. Okay. And they'd pay us 25 bucks per game uh, behind the plate, you know, which obviously is a lot more work. You're, you're calling balls and strikes. And um, that job was, was, it was just uh, what a job, you know, to, to be like, all right, this is the first time you're earning money. You get, you get full grown men yelling at you. Um, <laughs> you know, okay. So, because- so it was, it was not fun. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I really actually enjoyed it. It was also pretty stressful. A game was either super smooth or it was horrible. Yeah. So, so an example. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so an example would be like when, when, whenever I would be a home plate umpire, basically like my best games are when I'd be like, all right, I'm going to take a ball off, you know, the side of each, each side of the plate and be like, that's going to be the strike zone. Cause these kids you know they're like they're like young they can barely throw a baseball at all it's like come on i'm gonna give them a big strike zone. sure those games were always fantastic the coaches knew what was going to happen you know everyone seemed pretty cool about it you know like they're just kids we're just having fun here it's all it is you know we don't have to like move heaven and earth if i call a, a strike wrong or something I, I have a feeling that uh, the parents are the problem yeah well the coaches the coaches okay. specifically they're the problem yeah yeah but i mean i i swear bo like i i Never really had much of a problem. Like, obviously, like some games got heated and stuff, and some parents like let you know. But my last game I ever umpired, I threw out two coaches from <laughs> one team. I swear it was it was the craziest thing ever because my brother worked with me as well. My brother actually like saw what I did, and my parents liked that I was an umpire, and they thought it was instilling a lot of good values in me, which, sure. which it did. Um, so they were like, "Rob, why don't you go umpire with Tom?" And I was like, "He was like, all right, cool." So like. My brother got, you know, stationed with me, which was really great. It made me feel better. But like this guy, I just had to throw him out of the game. Like he was just being like, he just would not stop talking. And I was like, dude, it's like the second, it's like the top of the second inning and you have not stopped yapping. And then I had to throw him out Um, and things escalated quickly. And then like, like maybe two, three innings later, I had to throw the other guy out and they were being, trust me, but they were being particularly egregious. And yeah, and you're following the rules. These, you you, you know, you have to follow the code. You can't just let them pass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that part of the reason why I did too was because, and everyone's probably listening to this and be like, Oh, Tom's a jerk. No, like, like, I swear, I swear the guy that, um, that I worked for, he said, look, he said, I want you to be very, very, very strict. He's like, I want to set a precedent this year. Mm -hmm. I'm sick and tired of the coaches yapping. And I was like, all right, then, you know, then if I see fit, then I'll do it. And I swear, I probably after like 90 to hundred games umpiring, I, I, that's probably how many games I did. Okay. That's a lot. That's a significant amount. So it doesn't sound like a lot of money though. It doesn't sound like like, was it spending money? Were you able to sock any of that away? Not really. You know, I, I, um, I remember like probably, I, I probably get maybe three games a week, you know, and for a grand total of anywhere from like 40 to $60, um, something like that. Um, on average, uh, I, I remember after like a year of working there, I actually upgraded and started uh, umpiring at, at a different league. This was travel baseball and, and I umpired at both places still, but I also umpired at another place and they paid like 50 bucks per game on the spot. Oh. doesn't matter if you're a base umpire or a behind the plate. 
And like these games were like legit. Like these kids were good. Like you didn't have to take balls off the sides of the plate okay. anymore. Like these kids were like throwing fire. Yeah. So like I had to really be be you know sort of like on my game. Um. So I, I you know between that and between both leagues, I, I ended up racking up a lot of of uh, games and therefore money. And I'd probably have at least one game every weekend, which is a big deal for me. Okay. So like I'd make I'd make fifty bucks a weekend on the one job, and then maybe like. I'd have a couple games during the week on the other job making like less money. And how old are you at this time? Yeah, I was probably, I think, 14, 15. Okay. Like 100 bucks a week maybe for a 14, 15-year-old? Yeah, nice. exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, that was sort of like my life. And, and obviously, I, I worked during the summertime and um, and then, I mean, I was just getting into high school at that time. So after about, you know, mid-August or something, I'd have to stop. And then I'd, and then it was time for football. And then I'd have to go start playing football. So, but okay. yeah, but during, this, during the summer when I was 14, 15, I was pulling probably like 100 bucks. And sometimes if there were big tournaments on the weekends, I might make 100 bucks, something like that. You know, maybe mm. a couple games, you know. So, so what did so, you do with it? Do you remember what you did with the money? Man, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a really, really good question. I think that I really do believe that my mom, if I can remember correctly, my mom really instilled that like sense of you have to save this, like put it away. You, you can give it to me. I'll put it in a folder for you. And you can like, you can basically like just use that during the year. If you want to go to the movies or something, okay, yeah. or if you yeah. want to, you know, cause you'll be playing sports. You don't have any time to work anymore. So I was like, all right, cool. And, um, I, I think I used it, you know, during the summer to go see movies. I think I might have used it to buy like an airsoft gun every now and then or something, you know, one of those like, like little spring loaded cock pistols or whatever that you shoot the little BBs with Sure. that that's this, that's this kind of crap I was into. And then, <laughs> you know, but that's about it. I, I really do believe though that, that, that I actually saved a lot of that money and just put it in some sort of like a manila envelope somewhere. My mom had it. So, so like all in yeah. cash, you didn't put it in a bank. Yeah, I didn't put it in a bank. It was just straight up, you know, the um, the, the the envelope thing, and uh, which is which is funny. I opened up my first account in a bank right before college, actually. Okay, so, wow. You know, which might be unorthodox, but that's just you know how how my mom how my mom kind of like like you know let everything go. And I guess I wasn't making that much money anyway. But at the at the same time, you know, bank account is a bank account. You know, you can put money in there, maybe start to get some interest. I don't know. Not I, that I, much. I mean, that's the thing, right? It, I mean, like, so we're talking, yeah, how old are you now? I am 25. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking 10 years ago and the interest rate has not been good for a long time. So especially yeah, on a yeah. bank, on, on a actual, you know, regular savings account. So and it's not like you would have invested yeah. such little money, but you needed to, you wanted it to spend throughout the year. And I guess that's a good lesson too. Like you kind of got the idea of seasonal work and uh, if you save the money from your seasonal work, you can live or live in your case, you didn't have any expenses, but you could have your spending money when you weren't working. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I spent most of that money on just, you know, things to do. And, and, I, and I think I've never really was one to buy things, you know, and I think I went through a phase, but I think for the most part, I like to go spend it on experiences and, you know, experiences for me at that time was things like going to the movies or something, you know, I love movies, but, um, you know, I loved them when I was a kid. I still do, but I used to go to the movies all the time when I was a kid, but, but yeah, that's, that's basically what, what I would spend, spend all that money on. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, okay. So you, you're, you're opening up a bank account for college. 
And where'd you mm-hmm. go? To, where'd you go to college? And what'd you take? Uh, so I, I went to my first semester. I went to a school in Florida called Palm Beach Atlantic University, and uh, that's in West Palm Beach, basically, you know, an hour north of Miami. Okay. And I went to school actually for film. Nice. You know, I was talking about movies so much, uh, but I went to school for film. And I remember um, after that first semester, I love this, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get a job in this. Sort of kicked in. I also wanted to wrestle in college, so I actually transferred schools one up to Pennsylvania okay. uh, after my first semester. And by the start of 2012, I was actually at Messiah College in, in, in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, wrestling for the team and also majoring in marketing. So that okay. was sort of my story. And then I stayed at Messiah for, you know, up until graduation in uh, May of 2015. Did they give you like a scholarship for wrestling? Yeah, I did. I got a little bit of money and I got to wrestle again and, and I had a lot of fun that first year. And Well, how'd you pay for the rest of it? I, I had loans. Okay, I, yeah. I did the Sally Mae, you know, that Sally Mae, yeah. So and that's the big one in the States, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did Sally Mae and, and then I did uh, some some government loans as well. And, um, you know, to be like completely straight up transparent with you, and I think this will be helpful for the audience as well. I think I probably have somewhere near 80,000 in debt and it's okay. You can go, wow. Yeah, you can yeah, say, wow. You can say I that. I think I saw that a title of a blog post. So, so I, I, yeah. I'm not that surprised. But when I read that, I was thinking, okay, well, but you're just, you, you just came out of it how long ago? Yeah, I came out about three years ago. Uh, so school is expensive in the States, isn't it? Man, it really is, especially if you're going out of state and, and also if you're going private. Messiah is a private Christian school. So I remember going there and the tuition was much higher. And also in Palm Beach Atlantic, where I went to school for the first time, you know, tuition was much higher there as well. Hmm. Um, but I think if I would have stayed in state, I don't think I would have paid more than, say, 10 grand a year. And I would have probably graduated with around 40000 and probably half that, yeah. that debt. Still, you know? still so, it's a lot. And uh, I know. it's not like you have jobs lined up for you when you come out, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Did, did you it's work like, at all during school? or? Yeah, actually, um, you know, there's a lot of cool things. I, I, after, after umpiring ended, um, you know, I sort of stopped umpiring at the end of high school. Yeah. And I, start, I started taking a summer job uh, during college mowing um, in a mowing truck, mowing lawns during the summer. Yeah, that's good and, work. Um, yeah, and I I know every single day pretty much have one off day maybe, and because it's just such a busy season. But I didn't I didn't hate it. I actually had a lot of fun doing it because you know the guys are great. But but I made I think it was eighty five dollars per day, and it was straight up cash. It was all like under the table money. Nice, um, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. So it was cool. Yeah. So like envelopes coming up yet again. Like at the end of <laughs> at the end of the week on Fridays. I'd just get an envelope of money and it was There's amazing. There's a lot of envelopes in your life. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the like, yeah, a lot of envelopes. And this is not long yeah. ago. It's like there is, there are things like PayPal and, and uh, you know, money <laughs> transfers and stuff, but everyone's just still, you know, the, I, I've been learning this about the States uh, uh, lately is that, and, and Canada is we're way behind in terms of like, the way that money is transferred around, like we all still have checks and in Australia, actually, yeah, if you, if you've been Australia, other, and other parts uh, of the world, uh, in Europe, they, they don't even know what checks are. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're like, what is this? Like, you know, can I, <laughs> can I send you an e-transfer? Like there's so many, yeah. so many is this funny? Uh, um, that like we still, we still love cash and, and checks and everything. 
But 85 bucks a day, that's pretty awesome. But uh, that's only putting a tiny dent in, in what you're owing for school, though. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and I was probably, you know, I, I try to, like, do the calculations um, for myself to see how much money I was actually making every summer. And I, th- I think... I was making somewhere near like, you know, 6,000 sure. bucks in the yeah. summertime, just netting. Um, like, like as far as like net, I, I think that, you know, I'd probably spend a little bit of that money every month, every month for lunch and stuff like that. We'd always go out to lunch in the mowing truck. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, if I'm making like 400 bucks every week times four weeks times three months, that's, you know, that, yeah. I think that's about what it works out to. So 6,000 you know, every summer. And, and, uh, and obviously like you pointed out, you know, I, that's just, there's no way I could have paid for college with that. There's no way I could have paid for, for private school college, unless I had a job that was paying me freaking like 40 K. There's no chance. I mean, that's the, they basically have us uh, uh, tied up. We have to borrow. Uh, Or if you, uh, like if your parents can pay for it, or if you have a, a, you know, wealthy uh, other relatives who are willing to donate, I just don't know how it's, how you guys can do it in the States with, you know, some people come up with 200 grand in debt at the end. But uh, like, and how did you feel? Did did you think about the debt at all? Did did it make you feel any kind of way? Like knowing that you had all of this? Yes. Yes, it did. Oh man. It was, (laughs) I I saw you what, like I had, um, I, I, I actually, here's another part of my story. Um, Around my sophomore year of college, I started developing like really, really severe stomach pains and um, it took us took us a while to figure out what exactly it was with you know a GI doctor and all that sort of stuff. But after like a year, we finally figured out that it was Crohn's disease. Oh no! And so yeah, so like I actually developed Crohn's disease in, in the middle of my 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 college life. And I, I really honestly think that um, and obviously Crohn's we don't know what causes it yet. But I I just remember being super super stressed out between wrestling, between college, between figuring out what the heck I want to do and between staring tens of thousands of dollars um, in debt in the face, you know, after college, just all those things was, was, it was a massive amount of stress on me, especially during my sophomore year of college. Um, I actually like ended up stopping wrestling. I, I like, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I need to like dump off some stress. So yeah. I, you know, so I'm not so, so wound up all the time. And so I ended up doing that, but yeah, that, that stress really, really weighed on me. And, and I think that the debt um, in particular was probably the biggest cause of my stress. Hmm. And um, I'm not saying I got Crohn's because of stress, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if like doctors, you know, come out later with some, with some, you know, studies and some research and results that say that stress has something to do, to do with it. It was really bad. And it's probably that debt over the past, maybe like six, seven years of my life, that's probably been the highest source of stress. And, and obviously, you know, getting a job would then be figuring out what I want to do would then be a source of stress as well, because I have to pay that. That's the worst, right? Because I can't wait for the best job. I just need a job is what's going through your head, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and and you can't even pursue really, you know, you can't easily pursue what, what you actually want to do because you're so tied up. Like you, you have to sort of, unless you, unless you have some help, like you have to take whatever you can get because you got to pay, you know, and if you don't pay, then, 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 then bad things, you know, are going to occur and, and, and all that sort of stuff. You're going to have to start to like borrow more money, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It's going to like set off a, sh- a chain reaction. So like you sort of just have to like postpone 
what you actually want to do and, and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for like something that you don't want to do. So it sort of sucks. What did, what did, what did you do to start making money after? I actually got into freelancing and this is like where the, this is the part of the story where I ended up getting a lot of help from people. And thankfully I did. I remember after school, I had an operation to get rid of some of my small intestine because of Crohn's. So I had, oh, a, no. I had an operation. Yeah. Is, and, is it made your life better though? It has. It okay, has made my life so much great. better. Okay. So yeah. So that's the good thing. It was mm. a great operation. But yeah, so I, I, I had that and I remember like I had to basically recover for like a month after that. And mm. it, it ended up being like after college, I had like three months where I was doing nothing. And like I saw my friends getting jobs and going to, like traveling and stuff. And I was just like sitting in a hospital bed. You know, I, I just didn't know what to do. What what could you do? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I couldn't really do much of anything, and and so I I got out of the hospital. I recovered. I moved to Florida um, with with some friends, and I tried to make it work there. My plan was get a job in marketing uh, as quickly as possible, build up some some cash, and then try to get a place. And I was living with my friend at the time, uh, who was Exhibit A for you know help at that time in my life. And, you know, that was just basically my plan. You know, it didn't really work out like that. I remember like I went to tons and tons of interviews, never really got in anywhere. And I just like, I I couldn't really believe that some people like didn't want to take a chance on me because I felt like I had so much promise. I ended up like getting a job like as a server at a restaurant, worked there for like two weeks. Then I quit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Just couldn't do it. I was just like, this is just, this is just torture. Like, why do I have a degree and I'm doing this? You know, I was like, this is just, this is horrible. Like, I just don't want to do this. And then I got a job at Panera, uh, which is, you know, it, like the same, just, it, same thing. just exactly, exactly. And that just shows you how desperate I was uh, <laughs> because here I am in Florida, here I'm in Florida, not having, I don't have any money coming in and I'm just sort of like scrambling. And my mom's like, oh, well, you could become a manager at Panera. Maybe you could like get into corporate and then you can work in marketing for Panera. And I was like, all right, cool. That I see that. So, you know, in, in an act of desperation, I took a job at Panera. Worked there for two weeks, quit again. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I just like, you know, I was, I'm a terrible person though, but like, I just like, like things escalated with that company and like they, you know, I, I didn't even show up to work anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go in. <laughs> I didn't even tell them. I was like, I was like, this is just, it's too embarrassing. Well, it's and, just not um, the place for you, right? Like you could feel that. I mean, I, I, I understand you need to make money, but we all have standards and breaking points for what we want to do yeah. with our, our time and our life. Exactly, exactly. And like, it's it's hard, It's hard. sort of hard to put this into words, but I was just like, I, 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 I was like, I don't care if I'm making zero money. Yeah. I, I'm not supposed to be doing this yeah. right now. Like, yeah, this I totally just, understand. Yeah, I was like, this is just not getting me any closer to, to where I want to be. Like, why am I making salads when I have a degree? You know, yeah. like, I was just like, this is just, this is just wrong on so many levels. So I stopped. I, uh, I started freelancing. I got on Upwork.com. I had been I, I, I had liked writing for a while. I had been practicing for about a year, journaling, and I figured I was like, I like writing. Maybe maybe I should write for other people. I think that'd be a lot of fun to work from home. And I got a couple of freelance clients, and I basically just made 
made it work. And so how did you get those clients? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I, so I went on back in the day, I went on upwork.com. They would like, people would, if they needed a, a writer for something, they would post a job posting and, yeah. and maybe they just need you to write one little page of their website, or maybe they would need you for a long-term thing, like to write lots of content for them. So like I would just literally go on Upwork, I would apply to like 20 to 30 jobs every single day and then I would just, um, you know, wait to hear back. And I'd probably hear back from like one to two people and then I would talk to them on Skype and I would win them over as clients. Okay. And, uh, you know, Lord willing. And, and that happened. And I, and I won a couple clients, I couldn't believe it. Was super nervous for that, you know, to hop on calls with people and like convince them that they needed to work with me. But it worked. And yeah, did you, you know, did you learn how to do that from anywhere? Like this, they didn't didn't go through that in school, did they? No, they didn't. And I and and I I was like, I can't even convince someone to hire me for a job in the yeah. real world. Like, <laughs> like like how could I like convince someone uh, like over like a Skype call to, to to hire me? But but they did. And before I started freelancing. I, I actually like got like a little side job working for free writing blog posts for a sports website about baseball. And okay. I wrote about the Baltimore Orioles cause I'm from Baltimore and like, I would like pub, uh, like publish stuff there every now and then just when I wanted to. So like I had those clips to show these people. Good. Yeah. You so you're solely building stuff and that you can build yeah. your portfolio. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter that like two people read my posts. It, it, what matters was, you know, it looked good yeah, and like some content. And, and on the website, yeah. 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 And there's lots of writers that published there and it looked good. And like, it wasn't badly written, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So like I had those clips and as I won clients, I gained more clips and then I could show, you know, future clients, those clips. And then, and then I just kept building out my base and broadening my horizons, all that sort of stuff. So like I wrote blog posts, website, copy, all this sort of stuff. Even when I had no idea how to write copy, I still did it. It's like if you, if the client didn't like it, then they didn't like it. It's okay. Like so you, you know, just keep it, going, maybe, right? You don't you don't let it yeah. get you down. But how are you? Yeah. How are you servicing your debt at this point? Like, and I say servicing because there's no way that you're paying it down. You're just sure. making the minimums. Yeah, yeah. So like, basically, what I was doing was this was still like six months, sort of. Okay, so so here's another thing too that that maybe um, people listening. Uh, m- might not be aware of, but like after uh, with Sally May, like after you know uh, college, you basically have like the six month grace period. Okay, that's where nice. like they yeah. yeah, where they don't like uh, they don't make you pay anything. And um, I think even with like no, I think the Fed loans I did have to pay, but my Fed loans were very very small so compared to, to Sally May. So the bulk of the eighty thousand is or, or the, yeah. is it all Sally May that's left over? The, yeah, the, the bulk of the 80,000 is Sally Mae for yeah. sure. And I'm not exactly sure how much it is, um, but but yeah, that's Sally Mae. But but yeah, so Sally Mae had like a six-month grace period. So like I was sort of like three to four months into this grace period. Okay, so you're and, hustling to get to that six-month uh, yeah. point. Yeah, I'm hustling hard. Yeah. And I'm like, man, how am I going to make this work? I was probably clearing 300 bucks per week. Uh, on average. And, you know, I was living with my friends. So obviously I didn't have any rent costs. That's um, nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I know. I, I had so much help. But like I really so did. This, yeah, and, like you said, this is the part of the, that your friend was the first one in the network of help. Yes, yeah. for sure. And like, I still had to pay for my loans at some point. And after a couple, after a couple more months, that six month grace period ended and my parents had to sit down and talk with me. My parents have been so helpful with me, but my mom was like, all right, look, this is how much you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. And they were like, me and me and your dad are going to take a little bit of your loans for now okay. and then okay. um, for a year. And then after the, after a year, then you'll pay. 
And I was like, all right, well, thank you so much because, you know, you have to look at it from their perspective as well. Like I had just had like major surgery and I think they were a little like worried sure, about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as far as I mean, if you, stress if, goes. Yeah, it turns out that it, it, you find out that it, it, uh, Crohn's is caused a little bit by stress or in your case it was. Uh, then, yeah. Yeah. Like if, and if, they, if your parents thought that too, then of course they don't yeah. want you, anything else to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so, so they were super, super nice about everything. But, um, I think at that point I was paying, uh, like $600 per month, mm. um, just for the minimums for the, the student loan payments. Wow, um, wow. and if you, if, if yeah, and if you look at like the entire thing from a cost perspective, um, I didn't have, I wasn't paying rent. I was probably paying just a little bit for, you know, groceries here and there, but my friend was so great. You know, they would like cook and stuff and like they would help me. So um, and, and yeah, yeah, I was, so, I was so lucky. I had so much help. I really did. Um, but I also sort of like, there's also a, a part of it too, where it's like, I had to make it work. Like if, if I didn't have this freelancing thing, if I didn't get that going, I, you know, I, I would be sort of like, just like barely treading more. I wouldn't even be able to make payments. So, but yeah, I, I kept costs super, super low by getting some help and just living that traditional, you know, after college life where it's like crashing on people's couches and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? So, okay. So you're um, making the freelancer, uh, freelancer money. How, how yeah. far did that get you? Like, were you, are, were you able to build up a decent amount of, uh, of like steady revenue? Sure. Yeah. So like I, about, you know, maybe four months into the whole freelancing thing, which was about December, about December of 2015, about, you know, seven months after I graduated, something like that. I got actually like a, like a job at the Inquisitor. Um, the Inquisitor is a website online and they, they publish news stories. It's basically just like a news aggregator. They don't really have quote unquote reporters out in the field. They just like scan the web for like breaking news stories. And then we like take a bunch of different, you know, or, or we used to, well, I don't say we, but like they take a lot of, you know, of those stories and then make one of their own and like have a lot of, you know what I mean? Sort of like try to make something new out of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like creating original content, but based on other stories. Curating. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sort of like curating. And, and like, it was all keyword based. So like sure. we don't, we'd get all of our, we'd get, and, and it was, it was a reputable website. It wasn't like they were doing anything weird. They were actually pretty reputable. They, they paid their writers 15 bucks for every post for every 600 word post. Sure. And then if you, if your post went sort of like viral or something, you got bonuses. Like you could have made like a thousand dollars. So you get plus, bonuses like on based on the uh, like the ad revenue that's coming in, like a percentage of whatever money they make off of the traffic. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So like that really sort of became like my main you know means of revenue. And I remember at that point I started making 300, 400, sometimes like 500 per week. It sounds like a lot of writing. Like, are you writing all day? Are you just writing and writing and writing? Yes. Yes, I was. And like, man, that's the one thing. Here's a short little caveat. People don't understand that. Like back in the day, people, people complain about blogging these days. They're like, Oh, it's so hard for me to write, you know, like a thousand word posts. And I'm like, all right, I got you. Like, I totally understand. But like for me, like, I, I had to do this for work. So it's, it's a lot easier for me to just bang out like a 700 word post. Like I could do that in like an hour if I wanted yeah, how to. Ma- like how many like, words were you writing in, in a week? Man. Do you have that calculation? 
Yeah, I was probably at least writing 2,000 words a day at least. Wow. So you're probably thinking like wow. you're probably thinking like 10, 12,000 words a week. Um, sometimes I'd probably write more than 2,000 because every post for the Inquisitor had to be above 600 words. So you're just cranking out this content and, and it's not stuff that you want to write about necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not. And, and it's, it's just like, I'm looking at news stories. I'm trying to figure out like where with zero search engine optimization experience, yeah, by the way, yeah, I'm trying, exactly. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what would do well on Google, what people want to read about, what would go viral. Hmm. And like, I, I absolutely like had no idea, but like the only reason I got in there was because I think I could write pretty well. And I think you know, I knew how to like stuff keywords in the post and, and you're that's consistent. it. You could keep doing it. I mean, I don't yeah. know a lot of people uh, yeah. who can just yeah. write and write and write and write, you know, you know, like you said, I sort of had this moment where I was like, I'm not really like, how many times am I going to write about Britney Spears, yeah. you know, coming out with a new single or, you know, like Kim Kardashian or like Donald Trump, like how many times am I going to write about this per day? Like, I don't care about these people, you know, like I, I don't want to write about these people. As far as I was concerned, I was part of the problem. You know, yeah, you're, like you're making it worse. <laughs> yeah, like 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 the 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 last thing we need is more noise about Kim Kardashian. You know, she's already got enough. You know, not that she's a bad person or something. It's just you know we hear yeah. we hear enough of that was a weird stage of my life. And I think about you know four months after I started working there, I actually like got released because I just was not the numbers were not coming in, and I knew it. And, um, you know, they, 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 I, they just weren't making the money back that they were putting into me and they were giving me. So, um, they actually let me go. And, but you're, you're building up. Yeah. To finish that at that point, I'm building up my portfolio, that sort of stuff for sure. And building up my skills as a writer, cause I'm writing so much. Yeah. Like there's tons, they all have your name on them or no, do they have your name or are you just getting the skills for you? Yeah. They, 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 they all had my name on them. And, wow. and so, you know, you have like, I don't know, I, I guess you're, my personal brand building, stuff like that. I was, didn't really have a website or anything. So I wasn't linking back to anything. I wasn't getting SEO juice or something, but like, at least I was getting my name out there. And at least like when you search my name on Google, like my profile on the inquisitor was one of the first things to pop up. So, you know, I was like, all right, cool. I'm making a name for myself. This is cool. And, and, And it gave me confidence. And it was like, all right, Tom, like, I know you're not really doing so great with the SEO game, but that's just because you don't know SEO. It's, it's not search engine optimization, Um, but it's not like you're a bad writer. It's just, you know, search engine optimization isn't your thing. So, you know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm good with being positive though. Um, but back I feel, then that's I feel I was- like SEO and writing are completely separate things. And the fact that they have to make us, uh, put them together just so that we can get found on the internet is a little bit cruel because yeah. you, you want to write in your style and you don't want to have to think, Oh man, okay. I got to put this word in here every so often or these other, uh, it's just, I feel like it, uh, it ruin it's ruining writing. I don't know what your opinion is of that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it is too. And like, I, I've said the same exact thing. You know, I, I tweeted something like this similarly the other week where it's like, I, I know that SEO is something I have to like implement to get traffic to my WordPress blog, but it's like, I don't want to write content based on search engines. I want to write yeah. content because I want to write that, That's you know, right. and like it, it that just defeats the whole purpose of content in the first place. You're just writing because one, because you want therapy and because it's fun and two, you're writing to help other people. Yeah. You're not writing to, to please a search engine. Yeah. And it, 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 when people do that, it feels so hollow to me. It feels like they're just basically robots. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I think as far as, I mean, I think an undercurrent of this conversation has been like doing stuff that you want to do. Yes. And, and I think that that really sort of ate away at me and it didn't yeah. really help me to, to wake up like energized and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, write about Donald Trump again today. You know, like I just, I wasn't like that. And it ate away at me and it didn't really make me want to research search engine optimization further. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not any good at this. Um, I'm probably not going to get any better. And like deep down inside, I don't agree with using search engine optimization to like write a blog post. So like this whole thing is sort of like, it was like an identity crisis. Where did you end up? Like how, how did you get on your path because it seems like you're you're there like i just the two things that i'm 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 hearing is at least you're not working uh in something that's not furthering writing at all like this is sort of close but it it, you don't have the spirit right and also we kind of do have to go through these grunt jobs to get experience before we find the things that we want so i i feel like you're almost there are you almost there I'll try to give you a broad perspective and then, and then if you want to zoom in, go ahead, we'll zoom in. But like, you know, this was around, I think April of 2016. So about two years ago, I got released by the inquisitor and I, I, you know, found a job in email marketing for a slightly bigger company in Canada, actually. Hmm. And I, I worked for them in email marketing. I managed the email marketing kind of campaigns for all of their clients. They had like 50 or so clients or something. And, um, it was sort of a ridiculous job, uh, but it was a remote job and it allowed me to travel and it gave me about $600 per, per week, which was like, I was seeing dollar signs. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, it's raining money. You know, at okay. that point so in my you, life, you can cover the Sally May and still have living money. But here's one little quick caveat to this as well. Like when you're a freelancer in America, you, you sort of, you have to take out 25% of every, everything you earn mm-hmm. because um, you don't work for a company. You have to take out social security. You have to take out like federal taxes, all that sort of stuff. You just have to make sure they say take out 25% just to be safe yeah. because it's definitely not going to be more than 25%. Okay. Well, that's good. So like, yeah. So like I was taking out, like I was really just netting for 50 a week. Sure. Um, sure. So I was making about, if you want to look at it, I was making about, you know, I think 1800 per, yeah, 1800 per month, yeah, um, you know, after everything. So, so just, just to give you a number ballpark figure. Um, so at that point I, I was like, all right, I'm making, making some good money and I can work wherever I want to work and I like to travel. So why don't I go and see my best friend in San Francisco and I just go on a road trip and I just do it. Okay. And then I come back and, and if worse comes to worse, I just like drive straight back across the country. I get, I, you know, I sleep in my car and, and then I just drive back home. And this whole idea was crazy and like totally stupid. And like, and, but I, it was just something I wanted to do. And I, I, I was like, I, I need some, I need this adventure in my life. And, and I, you know, I had been writing online for a while. I, I heard about this thing called travel blogging. And I was like, maybe if I go across the country and I use my job that I have now to support myself, I can like work at night or something or like when I'm off to blog and yeah. to build up my own blog. Maybe one day make money through blogging, just blogging. And that was sort of my dream. And um, I was like, I'm not going to be able to be a travel blogger without traveling. So I sort of yeah. have to travel. Exactly. So I did it. I did it. I went on, I went on this trip. I stayed in hostels. I like 
just bare bones did 18 bucks a night at hostels, like maybe, <laughs> nice. maybe 15 bucks a night, like sleeping in beds that were horrible, sleeping in rooms with like 18 people, no AC in the middle of new Orleans in the middle of summer. It's just horrible conditions. You and know, you're writing, like, I was like, you're writing about all this as you go. Like, are you writing about yeah. the hostels or just experiences or things that you're learning as you go? Yeah, just I'm writing about a lot of different things, like definitely the hostels, definitely just like what I'm learning. But I, I figured out too, Bo, that like I don't necessarily like writing about certain things to do in a place. I just, sure. just like to write about what I'm learning. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's what people want to hear. That's right? something I, yeah, yeah. And that's something I figured out hmm. as I, as I traveled. And like, and then I also realized that, that there was a problem because travel bloggers are sort of supposed to write about what they see and do and stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah. I was a travel. You know, I wanted to be a travel blogger, but I ended up being just more of just a regular blogger, which you're, you're was a okay, traveling, so traveling like blogger. You're a blogger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was getting, you know, sort of like life lessons through traveling. So I did that and, um, you know, and, and, and I was just bare bonesing it. And I, I probably, I was just basically making as much as I was spending and I could not believe I was doing it, but I would like make like this big like Filipino soup called calderetta every single uh, week at the beginning of the week. I would like make this big bowl of soup and then I'd put it in the fridge and then I would just eat it for like lunch and dinner for like <laughs> three days after. And then I'd be like, all right, well, I spent 20 bucks on that. And it, it lasted me like lunch and dinner, you know, maybe with like a little snack for lunch as well, because I think, sure. you know, just just that would have been enough. But I was like, that, you know, that got me through, you okay. know, and then I'm traveling again on the weekends. So like, you know, I really, really bare bones the crap out of it. And you can do that when you're 20, in your 20s, you can do this stuff. But I'm worried, yeah. I'm worried about yeah. you with the, with the missing part of your intestine though and uh, your history. Yeah. But, yeah, it, but it all worked out. It all worked out, thankfully. And um, I, I made it across the country, I learned a ton on that first leg of my trip, it was a month, month long little trip. And I, I went from Orlando, Florida to San Francisco, made it there. Uh, oddly enough to one of the most expensive places in the world. Yeah, um, to live, exactly. Uh, you know, and uh, which is another wrinkle in the story, but, um, but my best friend was there. He and I had been talking about spending another summer together um, for a while. And I went out there and I was like, look, man, I was like, I can come out there. I was like, maybe I can just come out there for a week or something. Just come say hi. And then I'll just come right back. He was like, nah, man. He's like, you can spend the summer with me. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, for sure. I got a place for you. you come, just come stay with me. So I went out there and spent the summer out there having a ball. San Francisco is probably like one of my favorite places in the world. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. And I don't know why it doesn't get more fanfare you know like new york city's great but san francisco man come on but I feel anyway like it's pretty good i mean you're right though it doesn't it's not like top of the list in terms of the, the cities but yeah there's so many places to travel to from san francisco too like all the surrounding yeah. areas yeah yeah it's it's beautiful you know and they got the redwoods and stuff yeah. like that and you know thankfully for me there's a lot of natural things to do in san francisco that you don't necessarily have to pay for so yeah, like exactly me being a 22 23 year old guy the only thing that I was paying for was probably if we wanted to go out that weekend or something, we're going to go out to the bars or we're going to like maybe like go get some alcohol or something. And we're going to, you know, sort of like hang out with friends and drink a little bit, you know? So like, that was like what I was spending my money on. And, um, you know, so like I'll extreme 
extremely, so much help though. Like honestly, so much help, you know, but, but at the same time I was still like kind of getting into my savings a little bit, whatever savings I had, my job was starting to deteriorate because I did not, so many things went into that as well, but I just did not want to sort of work in email marketing anymore. And you're just doing this stuff to get by. You're you're not, you haven't yet found what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I just, there are so many clients that they had and it's really a problem with the company. And, and, and I was just handling too many clients and we had an expansion problem, you know, like we needed to hire more people, but it was just in this weird phase where it was like, they just, we just didn't have enough people helping. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I got overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed. I ended up just like telling the guy, I was like, I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick back to freelancing and, and I, and I wish you good luck. And on my way back home, I, I think I started contributing to this oil and gas website that has since been, since gone under. Um, but I was getting paid $50 per post for them, which was okay. awesome. Like, yeah, that's pretty you good. Because you already yeah, have a reputation it, at this point. You, you can point to all this work that you've done online. Yeah, yeah. And like they would take as many posts as I wanted to write. Okay. And so I pitched them so many ideas and I wrote so many posts for them. And um, that was like my my means of making money. And I was probably making about $500, $500 per week with you know with that afterwards. And, um, and I was slowly making my way back across the country at the end of summer. Um, so this is about, you know, maybe like August of 2016, I'm making my way back, had a great summer in San Francisco, but now I'm coming back. And it took me about a month to get back home. And I got back home in late September. Yeah. In late September. And then I basically, you know, I had been blogging as well and building up a little bit of an audience, but I was really just terrible at it. Really? Um, Where are you blogging? Are you on your website? Yeah, WordPress. I had a WordPress blog. It was FindingTom.com. I actually still blog there. Um, I never really shut it down. Yeah. Yeah, I never really shut it down. And now I'm using it to pivot into something else. But yeah, so I was blogging there and I just had no idea what to do. And and obviously when you start something you know new for the first time you make a ton of mistakes yeah um but when i got home i kept freelancing had my head down with that and then i came across this wonderful platform that would like change my life forever mm. <laughs> called medium.com and um basically it's like it's like a twitter for writers you can follow writers and instead of like them posting tweets and stuff like they post like full on blog posts what what is it about medium that made it so different so medium.com is it just like the structure or the, the amount of the people that they had uh, on there when you started, like what was so special? Uh, yeah. I, you know, that's, that's a great question. I, I remember like seeing a lot of the posts on medium and they all, it, it just felt right from the beginning. They all seemed so heartfelt. It wasn't like what we, what we were talking about before, which is really cool to connect this. It's like the SEO. I wasn't mm. seeing that. I wasn't seeing like people, plugging keywords into posts, trying to like get search engines to like find them. I, I, I was just seeing people like bleeding on the screen or bleeding on the keyboard and like opening up about their lives in ways that I've never sort of really seen before. Okay. I was like, that, that place seems so cool. And like, I, and I was like, I, I don't, I never really heard of medium before, but like, it's so cool. Cause I can follow my favorite writer or like, yeah. you know, like I can keep getting their posts on my homepage. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like, this is where I need to be. Like, you know, there's writers. It, it, it felt like, it felt like a social media platform just for writers. And it is, that's and because guess, it is. I guess that's what you it know? is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, I was like, this is cool. It's, uh, it's almost like if they made a social media platform just for florists or something, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like just <laughs> anything, plug, plug anything there. It felt like more like a home for you. Yeah. It, it just, it just felt right. So I was like, you know what? I was like, I just got back from my trip. I have so many things to say. Yeah. Um, I learned so much and I'm going to write about, I'm going to write five times per week, little posts, like little nuggets, like 200, 300 word posts. And then I'm going to publish them and I'm yep. going to do that every single night. And, um, you know, 200 to 300 word posts is like nothing to me. It's like, I'll get that done in 20 minutes Yeah. Um, because I had been writing for so long. That's not because I'm great. It's just no, because, because I had so, you, yeah, literally you know so much freaking experience, yeah, exactly. you know, thanks inquisitor. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so like that was happening for me. And like, I remember I started like a little publication that was hosted on medium published there five times per week. It was called the post-grad survival guide. Hmm. And, uh, about three weeks into doing that, um, every single day I started just getting like 30 followers per night to the publication. People just started following. Yeah. Cause you can follow writers and publications on medium. So like people were following me, but then like I was getting 30 followers a night to my publication. I was like, Oh crap. Okay. This is awesome. And then like I checked it the next yeah. And then I checked it the next day and it was like 25 new followers. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I checked it the next day, 28. And then I was like, what the heck is happening here? Uh, why am I getting so many followers? And, and there's a whole explanation behind that. But the long story short is like when medium users were logging in and creating their profiles for the first time, I believe that medium was um, suggesting my publication to them since medium was like such a, a, a young platform, but they mm. were suggesting my publication to people who, you know, m- maybe were interested in the topics that I was writing about. And that's the only explanation I could give. And so you're like writing by, consistently too. You're right. You're, you're writing every day. Well, every, yeah. every week, every week. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Every weekday. Yeah. Five times per week. And two months in, I had a thousand followers to my publication, which wow. felt amazing. It felt amazing. I was like, wow. I was like, it's like, what I have to say is actually meaningful. And you know, people want to read this. And like, that was the first time I ever had that feeling. And I remember like being addicted to it. I was like, all right, cool. I can do anything now. I was like, if people really read my stuff right now, and if I have a thousand followers right now, like it's just going to keep happening. You know, like it's, 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 it's the platform is helping me. Yes. But people wouldn't be following me and, and supporting my stories if, if, if I wasn't actually pretty good. And are you getting comments? Are you getting like actual feedback at all too at this point or, or not yet? Yeah. Yeah. Which was a whole other thing too, Bo. Like, like that was the first time I really felt that you know, from that perspective. And now I, you know, sometimes get like 30, 40, 50 comments a day wow, to comments. like any number of posts. Yeah. And like back then I remember like getting one comment and being like, wow, like someone, I know, like, I know one person. Just, yeah. And like, I, it sucks that I've gotten away from that to, you know, feeling that boyish joy, but um, but no, we all get used to days. things. We all, we all get used to, this is your new reality, right? But, um, yeah. and how many followers would you keep getting? Like if you get 50 comments, how many, do the followers like sort of max out at a certain level or? Yeah. Well, I, 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 okay. So I started on medium, you know, obviously with zero followers, but I think back then my publication had about a thousand followers mm-hmm. after two months. And I think maybe my personal page probably had about, you know, anywhere from 300 to 400 followers. Sure in October of 2016. Right now it's, you know, obviously June of 2018, I have 22,000 followers on medium. So like wow. it just, I, I'm not exactly sure how many follower, new followers I get per day. 
but I would say it's probably anywhere from like 20 to 30 to 40, maybe, um, depending on, depending on how many views I get that day. I guess it it might, Uh, it might even be more because like, let's say if if you got that every day, if it was 20 every day, right. That's, uh, you know, you got, uh, six, six or 7,000 in a year and you've gotten more than that. Um, if it's just been two years. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah there's so, probably like maybe it's leveled out a little bit, but you had a pretty like high surge at some point. Yeah, I did. I did, and, and and I think it has to do with Medium's sort of platform being so young, and yeah. you know they, they were suggesting me and my publication to people, and like there just wasn't that much competition, and there, there really still isn't. But that's just how it was for me back then on Medium, and basically I built up my following. I was doing that, and I was blogging five times per week, and it wasn't that hard. I just spent 20, 30 minutes per night on it, and then I was freelancing full time during the day, and like me blogging at night was like such a great thing i was like wow i finally get to write about what i want to write getting the feedback and the inspiration you know yeah but but how are you gonna how like okay so you're still um you know you're just kind of servicing the dead and paying your costs with the with this uh, freelancing Mm -hmm. Uh, and but how is medium gonna make you money Sure. Yeah. So, so about, uh, so in October of 2018, I got, I mean, 2016, sorry, I got started on medium. I wrote there for a year and I built up my following and I started building up my email list. And, um, about a year after that, you know, in October of 2017, I started just feeling like the gas tank was empty. Like not as far as blogging goes, but as far as freelancing goes, Mm, I was like, I'm sick of this. I was like, how many times am I, am, am I going to go through this process of like, you know, and, and for some people that this is okay. Like, like they like this process of winning clients and working on projects that are new and different. And I understand that. But like, for me, that was just, I couldn't do it anymore. You know? Yeah. I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah. 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 And like, I got to this pro- this point where it was like, I was just like winning clients, losing clients, winning more clients, writing for a lot, writing about a lot of different things. And I was just like, I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm done. And I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, I was like the last time that I sort of like made a jump and didn't know if it was going to work out, but try to make it work. Like it worked out, which was me, me quitting Panera to go to freelancing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, all right. So I got an email list of like 1200 people. I was like, I got a, I got like, you know, like 11 to 12,000 followers at that point, I think. Mm. So I got like, you know, 6,000 followers to my media publication. I was like, I am going to do something. Like I'm going to like, I'm going to make $2,000 next month, like doing completely from my blog. I was like, all right, so cool. How am I going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Good idea. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, online courses are how most people make money online yeah um well i mean you know well not most people but like when you're making a good amount of money online courses are probably like behind most of that income for a lot of bloggers and if you're gonna if you're gonna create something yourself yeah 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 and like you could do that with ebooks and affiliate marketing and there's so many other ways you can make money ad revenue all that sort of stuff sponsored posts but online courses are is a way that you can be a little more hands-on and and you can demand more money because because you'll be more hands-on with people if you want to be so i was like all right cool online courses what am i good at like like what can i like sell people on and i was like all right cool so i've built up a following on medium i built out an email list i know how to make money because Medium introduced the Medium Partner Program, and, and you can sort of like quote unquote lock a post, and it, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a confusing thing. But you know, just to boil it down for you, you can get paid based on 
like writing a lock post on medium. So I was making a little bit of money from the medium partner program, which was great because I had my following there. So like what better way to make money? So I was making like maybe 200, 300 bucks per month. Okay. So yeah, just to break that down for a sec. So medium, it was, was free and now it's, now it's paid. Is it completely locked now or is it that there's some free and some paid? Most stories are free. Writers can either choose to lock their posts or make it free. Um, so when you lock your posts, only people that are medium members can see it. So like you have to pay $5 to become a medium member. And basically, uh, you know, if they find your story and clap for it, which is the equivalent of like a like on Facebook, yeah. or like a retweet on Twitter. Except you can, like you can clap as many times as you want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, no, I, I think they cap it off at 50. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, they cap it off at 50. So based on like, if, if that person claps for your story, you actually get a portion of the revenue that they pay to medium to be a, to be a, a medium um, member. Okay. So like, they're paying five, everyone pays medium five bucks to be a medium member who, who wants to be, you can have a free profile if you want to, but for those that want to be a member, they pay five bucks. Yeah. So like, if they clap for your story, and if they clap for maybe like five or four other stories along with yours that month, you get $1 of their medium membership fee because they clap for four other stories. And that $1 would go out to those stories as well. So like I had 12,000 followers or something. So it's like, all right, so I can write a lock story. A lot of people can see it and like a good portion of media members will see it and they'll look and they'll clap for it. So like I was making like pretty good money with that. And, uh, you know, like 200, 300 bucks per month. So you, so medium did start to make you money before you did anything else. So that's yeah, good. Oh, yeah, wow. exactly. All right. And I, I, I had running a lot about travel, life lessons, things like that, things that I've learned, being a young person, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, look, man, I was like, I know how to build an audience on medium. And I don't see any online courses out there that teach people how to do this. Yeah. And I was like, medium is just such an amazing sort of uh, opportunity right now for people. It was actually much more dramatic than I'm, than I'm saying it is right now. <laughs> like I, I was so defeated. Like I was like, at this point in my life, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like mm, I'm at the end okay. of my rope. I'm at the end of my rope. Like I don't want to freelance anymore. I, I feel like I'm ready to take the next step, but like, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And then I came up with the idea for this course. So medium course, I went, I went, I think I went to like a pizza place, sat down for like two hours and just drafted up like a little sort of, um, uh, what is it like an outline of the course made it five modules, just wrote down like a bunch of lessons that I thought I would wanted to do just a rough sketch. And then I was like, all right, so how do people sell online courses? They sell them by webinars. And again, I was doing research on this. So I was like, they sell them doing webinars. And I was like, how do they get webinar signups? Well, they have a, a call to action at the end of blog posts. And I was like, well, that's great because I'm already getting you have lots that. of people looking at my blog posts. So like all I got to do is write some more and then get some people to click through to, to the webinar and then they can come. And then I just had to put on a great webinar. And so like I made up like this like sales funnel. I looked at people like Jeff Goins, I actually went to his web, webinar and I watched like what he did like slide for slide. And I was like, this is how he's pitching his course. I understand how he's selling his course. And I was like, I'm just going to basically make it the same structure as Jeff, except just plug in like my content, what I want to teach people and all that sort of stuff in my pitch. And I did. And, um, I had, I think 150 people sign up for my first webinar, which was cool. Awesome. I was like super happy for that. 35 people showed up live. And this was, this was, I think in the, in the beginning of November, like seven people sign up for my course. And it, okay. at that point, it was, yeah, at that point it was $200 because I wow. kept it, kept it low because 
I wanted to make sure that I got feedback. And then I had an email follow-up sequence. Eight more people signed up by that Friday okay. on the webinar on Tuesday. And so that's 3000 3, bucks I made. Yeah, and I was like, wow. From nothing. Yeah. From, from your, your skills, your existing skills. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I was like, all right, well, if this worked, then all I got to do is just keep doing this, keep doing, you know, yeah. maybe in the future, yeah. you know, like keep putting on webinars and stuff and then like getting students and then keep teaching them. The kicker was I, I didn't even have the course created. I'm like, I didn't, oh, really, you didn't not yet. <laughs> I, pitched, I pitched them the course. I knew exactly what was going to be in it. I knew exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Uh-huh. And, and I knew exactly, I knew everything that was going to happen. I just wanted to make sure that that people wanted it before yeah, I yeah, made that's, before I spent. Uh, that's what they always yeah. recommend. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to do that. Like sometimes you spend so much time on something and then you ask and then nobody signs up. So, Hey, if you knew you could build the course, you know, in, in due time, then that's a good way to go about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I, <laughs> I went through this like crazy, this is just right around Thanksgiving of 2017. I, I went around, I went through this crazy phase of like rushing well, not really rushing. I gave myself enough time, but like, you know, trying to make sure that I got all of my lessons done, recorded and uploaded to Teachable by mm. the time that, you know, that module was supposed to come out because I told them, I was like, all right, we're going to do modules, modules one through five. We're going to release them on a, every subsequent Friday for five weeks. Yep. Um, and, and, and then that's what we did. And like, I worked very closely with everyone. I got their feedback. I like made a Slack channel. I was very active in the Slack channel, like answering everybody's questions. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, checking it like morning and night. And I, we really had like an amazing experience. Like I felt so great with this course because I don't want to sell. I'm not trying to sell this thing. I'm not trying. No, like, no. We're, I'm not even going to say the name of the course. I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying, like, please, like, no, like, you can. We've talked about like doing what we want to do. Yeah. You know, in this call, and like at this point in my life, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I'm finally doing what I want to do. So good. you know, like, I'm teaching people. I'm seeing their results. They're like telling me how much they like the course. And like, I'm developing like a legit relationship with these people and they're developing a legit relationship with everybody else in the course, which was like the coolest part. So like by the end of the course, like we had 15 people that were just like super tight knit, you know? And I was like, this is so cool. I was like, I was like, I originally did this to make some money and also to teach people. But like, I ended up like creating something where it was like a lot of people had this amazing experience. And I was like, I'm hooked. Like, totally hooked on this. Awesome. I kept doing that. I, I kept launching it. Well, I actually just had, had one more launch after that um, because I wanted to get more feedback. I like redid some things uh, based on that first group's feedback. Had a second group come in. They had less feedback because I think the program was already pretty good. And then, you know, because of the feedback from the first group. And then after that second group came through, I started just letting people go through the course on autopilot. They okay. could just sign up. And they could work through it on their own pace. And I would check in with them like once every two weeks just to make sure things were going well. And I'd give them content critiques and I would give them like a Facebook group to be part of. And like, you know, and I just started like putting on webinars like every week, every two weeks, something like that. And I started making, I think in February of 2018, I made 6,000 from um, my course, which was really seeing dollar signs for me. I was like, man, this is just so awesome. And then I just kept doing that. I now basically make 
anywhere from three, 3,000 to 6,000 per month from the course. And I check in with all my students. I make it a super intimate experience and I make sure that I'm there. And like, if they don't like the course, I just refund them. It's not even a big deal. Yeah. Like people are getting results too. Yeah. Yeah. And people are, they're getting the followers. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, and, and they were doing what, what, you know, everything and they were showing me like results. They were showing me stats, their views and their email subscribers and like that they got into this publication and that publication and I was like, this is just so awesome. I'm helping other people spread their message. Yeah. And, and I got to that, this point where I was like, I think that's my, my why. I think, you know, because I've read that book, you know, I think, I think it's called Start With Why mm-hmm. by Simon Sinek, I think is, is who it was. And um, I was like, I think that's my why. Like, I want to I wanna help people spread a message that's worth spreading and spread their message. And as long as it's not them, you know, being mean or being like condescending or something, as long as it's a good message to spread, I want to help people do that. That's what gives me a lot of joy. So I finally, like, as you can see through the spectrum, and I'm so happy we talked about everything in a lot of detail, Bo, because I've never really done it before on podcasts. It's sort of, and we just rush through stuff, but like, yeah, I don't it's like just to been rush. this progression. I, I'd rather not because then like we miss the we miss the the stuff that you had to go through to get to this point, and and everybody yeah. knows that you don't need a lot of money to to live. So even if you focus just on this group, you know, just on this course, like that seems like it would be enough for you. Yeah, exactly. And like, and you know, the cool thing about everything is, you know, people normally say that you need to have like an email list of a thousand people, or you need to have like this and this and this, an audience already to make money, but like. I really don't think that's the case. I, I think if you publish on a place like Medium and, and if you get into a few publications, all you have to do is write a pretty good piece of content, get a couple hundred views to a couple, maybe, maybe a thousand or so. You have a call to action there for a webinar and then you're in business. And like all you got to do, they got to sign up for your webinar. You got to put on a good show. And it doesn't matter how many people are on your email list at that point, because normally they say you need a thousand people on your email list to launch an online course. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, you know? So like, if you really want to get started making money online, you don't necessarily have to be doing this for a long time. You know, I, I really think getting started on medium and you know, if you, if you, if writing is your thing, go on medium, get into a publication or two, and then just start putting out great stuff. That's it. Right. You know? Because like you said, writing is not necessarily everybody's thing. But the worst, mm. the worst thing would be if writing is your thing and you're really good at it, but then no one ever sees it, right? That's like, that's kind of yeah. the, the worst situation because you have this ability to help them get seen and all they need is awesome content. And yeah, I, I want people with awesome content to be seen. And I think that's, we, we all kind of help, uh, try to help each other, right? Sharing other content, talking, being on podcasts sharing all this stuff, right? The coolest moments are when like people, you know, students, I mean, I mean, I, it's crazy to call like men who have kids, my students. Yeah, it's like, yeah exactly. I, I feel like they're not my students. You know, it's <laughs> like, I, I, if anything, I'm their student, you know, teach me things, but it's like, they send me posts that are just like heart wrenching and talking about their kids and, and all this sort of stuff That's and, awesome. and, and how much they love them. And I'm just like, I'm just like, man, this is amazing. Like, I get to critique this. I just, I, I'm having, I'm having so much fun writing. I mean, reading this, you know? Yeah. It's, and, it's good because um, you're not just, it's the medium course is the way to, to get people seen, but you, you actually have so much experience writing and, and it's, you know, like this could be a writing course, 
And in a way, is it? Is it half writing course, half medium? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You hit the nail on the head. The first couple modules are all about, there's medium strategies sprinkled in there yeah. a good bit, but it's really all about writing hmm. and um, how to become a better writer. And, and I use, yeah, and I use like personalized content critiques to sort of make sure that each person knows exactly what they have to do as they work through the course as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not just a medium course. It's a writing course. It's like, you're going to learn how to write better content and you're also going to learn how to leverage mediums platform to get more views and stuff like that. So like, you know, that's just how the course shakes out. And that, I didn't really plan it on being that way. I didn't really, I didn't really know when I was strategizing this course, I was like, Medium is a huge missed opportunity. There's no online courses out there for Medium. There's like tons of courses about Pinterest and Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, yeah. but none about Medium. So I was like, either it's a really, really crappy idea and yeah. no one's made a course about it. <laughs> no point. one's made a course yeah. about it because it's just not a profitable course idea. Or two, actually nobody has thought about this and it, and it is a good idea, but just nobody has done it yet. And I was like, maybe it's the latter because this platform is just not that saturated yet. And I was like, you know what? The only thing I got to do is put on a webinar. I don't even have to make the course. I just put on a webinar and we'll see what happens. I you think know? more people need to have that thought process go through instead of immediately thinking someone else has done this or someone mm -hmm. else has had to have done something like this before. If they don't find it, it's not that like if somebody would have done it already, it's, hey, maybe I'm the first. Maybe I'm the first one. And I'm going to take a chance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that with online courses, I, I, I really read um, a, a girl by the name of Mariah Kaz. She runs femtrepreneur.co. I read her, a lot of her stuff before I made my first online course. And she was like, look, with online courses, you might be scared because you might say, all right, well, there's this information already out there on the internet. Like maybe like, I'm not saying anything new in my online course, but she's like, people still want to get walked through that process. They like do. they still yeah. value that one-on-one -on -one time and they still value you giving them all that information up front instead of them having to like research and search through a bunch of stuff. Well, to have you there, even if now it's uh, a lot of it's been worked out and it's on autopilot, but you're there as a resource, right? Yeah, exactly. And I tried to do that for like all my students. And I think it's really cool for me because I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job. You know, that, like, that's very, very important to me. And it's also good for the students because they feel like they're really getting a lot out of the program and they are. And like, I, I get to show them like, look, like instead of them like having to look through the lessons and be like, all right, well maybe I'm doing that wrong and they're picking stuff apart. Like I just, I give them the cheat codes even more, you know, I'm like, all right, well you don't have to like look through all my lessons necessarily. Like I'm going to point out everything that I think is glaring. And then you can work through the lessons to get those little idiosyncrasies later if you want to like really master it a little bit. Yeah, it's so great. And, you know, I'm, and I'm really glad that you found the thing. You know, it, it, it took some time. You know, I mean, okay, you're 25, right? And, yes, yes. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to find that now. And, you know, the, I feel like now you're, you're going to be able to make a plan to pay down Sally Mae, right? Is that already in the works? My plan is to invest as much as I can in my business because, you know, I think that it's just going to keep growing. I think my audience is going to keep growing, like, as long as I don't do, uh, as long as, like, like, a platform doesn't go under. Yeah. 
as long as medium doesn't go under, you know, <laughs> as long as like that, something catastrophic like that does not happen, my platform will keep growing. And it's like, this is not the time to take money away from the business That's and payoffs. Yeah. Payloads. You're on like, an for uprising, me, uprise here. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I got to take advantage of this. Like, like I, for me right now, I'm my, my number one interest is to expand my influence on more than just medium. So like YouTube, Facebook, and I'm doing that by making videos. And I'm like, if I can make video, if I can like live off of what I got now, put more time into making videos and expand my influence and my reach, then, you know, I'm in a position to, you know, really make, make, make some more money. And then when I have much more influence, then I can probably come out with more courses and things of that nature, as long as they're helpful and then pay off, put, put down like freaking lump sums, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? I like that, every that, month. That's a good call. Cause yeah, it is something you can just keep going on the side, but you're right. That tends to cripple people and they think that they can't do anything. And meanwhile, you know, it, don't let it uh, interrupt your life, right? It's it's not going to yeah. go away like right away. So meanwhile, you got this thing that you can double down on, and you're not taking uh, uh, any huge risks or anything. You you kind of have it going on right now, which yeah. Is, which is good. It's a very fortunate uh, position to be in, and uh, so I'm I'm realizing now it's almost uh, midnight where you are. We kind of alluded to that you were in another country, but uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, like you're in Indonesia right now. You're in you're in Bali, right? Bali, yes, yeah. yes. So and... I, I like I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do want to mention the the summit that you made because that's how I found that's how I found you, and also you're on yes. uh, the Do You Even Blog podcast, and that kind of reinforced that I would want you on the show. But uh, I really like the summit. I didn't get to see all this stuff, but there were some really great people on there. And if you could just say quickly how you got that all together. Sure. Yeah. So the summit actually happened, uh, just to put it on the timeline for you, it happened three months ago. And I just like, I think I was reading a book by Dory Clark called Entrepreneurial You. She mentioned something about a virtual summit and how you can make money as an influencer doing a virtual summit. So obviously me trying to figure out ways that I can you know, make money as, as a young influencer. Uh, I was like, all right, let's do a virtual summit. That'd be awesome. And let's make it about blogging because I want to learn more about blogging. My audience wants to learn more about that. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. So like, I literally just had to cold email like a hundred people or so, Yeah, you know, just yeah, reaching so- out. Sounds like a big endeavor and you got some great people on. Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we landed, uh, Chris Brogan, he's a New York times bestselling author. Um, we landed Michelle Schroeder Gardner. She is, uh, the owner of making sense of sense. And she is a, is a millionaire blogger. Like she literally made like a million dollars last year. It's kind of amazing. Um, all via affiliate marketing, by the way. Um, so check her out. And then, um, Dory Clark, you know, the person that actually told me about virtual summits in the first place via her book, she came on, I, I tweeted at her and I was like, I learned about virtual summits via your book. I, I really want to interview <laughs> you for mine. And, and she was so cool. She was like, all right, let's do it. And, uh, so she caught, she got on and, and, um, you know, had on a lot of other amazing people that if I said their name, like, you know, people would probably yeah, know who yeah, they exactly. are. Um, and, and, and no matter, know, no matter if they were, uh, well known or not, some of them had real, just really great info, you know, things about things about uh, like the main thing I learned was, uh, you know, I can't just expect people to go and sign up for my email list if I'm not giving them anything in return. Right. Like it seems like a yeah. no brainer now. Right. When you think about it, you're like, why is no one signing up? Like, you know, yeah. I'm giving them my content. Uh, but, you know, people's emails are precious, aren't they? 
Yeah, yeah, and and that's 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 so that's so important. And and, and but like that's that's crazy because like that's something I didn't understand until you know like a year into blogging myself. You know, like I was like, why why do I only have thirty people on my email list yeah. when I've been blogging for six months? You exactly. know, and it's like as soon as I as soon as I made an like an ebook. I had a hundred email subscribers. Right, that just month. something that people just want something in exchange for their email. Like, yeah, that, that's all it yeah. takes. And so, yeah, it and it uh, you know doesn't take that long necessarily. You just have to make the time for it. But okay, so that that's yeah. I just want to talk about the summit. I mean, the whole point of all of this and your your whole story. Uh, if anyone wants to learn anything from this, is you know just keep heading towards the thing that you want to do and be open to opportunities and reach out and take chances. Even if you feel like, you know, there's, there's nowhere to go. Even if you feel like, man, this is like my rock bottom Mm -hmm. and like, there's nowhere I can go from here. Obviously I had a lot of help, but I don't want to like underscore that, but it's like, you know, there was some moments where I was like, man, like I got to make it work. You know, it's got to make it work. And like, don't be afraid to maybe like make the jump into something and try something new like freelancing or like making an online course or something like that. Yeah. You know, there's, I think there's like, if you look closely, you can feel the transition phases in your life happening right in front of you. And, and they're disguised as these moments where it's like, crap, this sucks. Like my life sucks right now. And yeah. like, but really in reality, those are like the transition moments where like you're about to like blossom into something like totally new if you're open to it. And that's sort of like what happened with me. And, you know, layered around all of that was a lot of help from people and, you know, a lot of work and research and just like, just luck, you know, honestly, but that's my story rolled up into one little nutshell. <laughs> yeah, you. I think it's great. And, and I'm, uh, I'm glad you came on. T- it might be, this may end up being my longest podcast ever, but I, <laughs> awesome. but I, but I like that. And, uh, we, and we can hold that up as a, as a, something to be proud of, as opposed to, you know, you, you know, people, uh, maybe don't realize there is something called the pause button, right? If you don't have time to listen yeah. to the whole thing, press pause and then you can yes. continue it later. I mean, you'll probably still be in a similar mindset as you were, and it's not going to you ruin your life to, uh, break something into two or three or four or five parts. I do it all the time. So that, that's yeah. some advice to anyone who's like, oh my God, why is this so long? Uh, you're ruining my life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and also, I mean, like, like, like I loved, I used to uh, listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast back in the day and he has like such long interviews and I was like, but they're so great though, you know? And like, I gotta keep listening, you know? So hopefully people feel at least, at least something similar to that with this. But, uh, you know, I know I can <laughs> ramble, you know? So I should do All right. Ends. Well, I'll let you go uh, probably to sleep now. <laughs> it's about sure, seven, seven minutes to midnight in Bali right now, right? <laughs> so anyway, yes, enjoy sir. enjoy your time. Enjoy, uh, you know, hopefully I'll see you at a conference, maybe FinCon in September. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's see what happens, Bo. I really appreciate you inviting me coming on and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, just let me know whenever it gets released. I want to make sure to share this. And I think it was, I don't really, you know, necessarily share all the podcasts that I'm on, but it's like when, when there's something new that I've said, I want to do it. And I definitely said a lot of new stuff in this one. So perfect. I um, love it. But, but yeah, thank you once again. And, and um, you know, I, I really appreciate you. And, and it was a lot of fun for me. And, and I know it's midnight here, but I, I still had a lot of fun. No <laughs> All good. Good. I'm glad. Thanks, Tom. All right, man. Thank you. Bye bye. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Or if you're already a subscriber, you know, send me an email. That would be awesome. Bo at BoHumphreys.com. It would mean a lot to me to know that people are listening. I don't really know who's listening. It's not the kind of thing that you can just go out there and say, look up who your podcast listeners are. So it would be great to hear from any of you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. Next week, my guest will be Angel Jones, founder of 12-Minute Convos. Since 2016, Angel has recorded more than 2,000 12-minute podcast episodes. I was episode 1,437. It was great to host Angel at my home in person during his trip from Trinidad, where he's here to record even more podcasts of his own. <laughs>